That, my dear listeners, is the sound of a cola flowing over ice into some glasses. Welcome to the Heavy Pour. My name's Dustin, historian, and this week, soda pop drinker. Hello. Oh, no. Ah, wait. No, I did not just spill all (laughs) over my own notes. I totally did. Uh, Skyler will introduce himself once he helps my dumbass clean up. I'm back. My name is Skyler. I'm I usually help with cleanups and uh, <laughs> no, All right, so this week we're talking about Coca-Cola. We're sticking to the theme of beverages and it's been fun. Um and once again, I think for the last episode, actually, it's kind of bittersweet. We're taught we're the main source of uh, information that we have here comes from our old pal Tom Standage and his "A History of the World in Six Glasses." Yeah. Um, so this is the sixth and final topic he touches on in the book. And uh, Tom, you did good work. It's an enjoyable book, and uh, I encourage. Anybody out there, this is not a sponsorship, by the way. This is just an endorsement by me because the historian thinks it was well done. Pause. And we'll uh, we'll drink some drink some soda here. Some soda. Some fine soda from Slancha. the... From the... Glasses pain. are great, by the way. Cheers. So, yeah. Um, talking cola. Holy shit, that's good. It's, I don't like Coke at all. Yeah, you heard me. I don't like Coke at all, but this is uh, Fizz Cola says it's the original. Um, it's actually it's out of Rochester, New York. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. Local it's stuff. Very delicious. Very tasty. Nice work, Fizz. Um, I, on the other hand, really like Coca-Cola. Do you? Yeah. I, I well, my grandparents were always Pepsi people. That's so funny. Yeah. There's, that's they're Pepsi people. A whole sure. section in this book is about yeah Pepsi versus Coke. They, like there's it's the war. Like seriously, yeah. when my when I was little, I would go over for Thanksgiving. And it would be a cold glass of ice with a with a warm Pepsi. Cold glass. You just pour it over the ice that, and then you drink it. That sounds that crazy? like my grandparents, too. It was always warm. We never had it cold. Yeah. yeah. My grandfather is also like uh, 38 years sober or something, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah, so. Yeah. He, well, I grew up in the 50s, so, you know. Yeah. Kind of blame society for that one, but. Sure. It's just like smoking today, I think, you know. Probably, yeah. 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 Which. Yeah. You know. But anyway. Um, so this this episode we're talking soda pop, its invention and how it spread to basically conquer the world. Okay. So Coke like is ubiquitous. Like it's everywhere. Think about like Santa Claus, right? Like the, the Christmas yeah. marketing for oh, yeah. Coke. Um is, winter in general. Yeah, it's not a winter you think of Coke. But then you, you think, think of Christmas, yeah. You think summer. Ball game, Coca-Cola in hand. Yep. Yeah. So this all started from... What good branding, man. And Dude, it's Holy all shit. about the branding and marketing. It's not even about their secret formula that they're also... Like Coca-Cola is high on their haunches about how like good their product is. But oh, yeah. I don't like Coke. I don't think it's that great. But I will admit that their marketing and branding is incredible. And so we'll get to that in a little bit. But this, I mean... Pop in general started from a uh, the, the biggest driver to its success, especially in America, is manufacturing. So, oh sure, 
So um, the ability to get well, it's just the, the ability to get your product into as many hands as possible. Exactly. That's yep. it. You know. It's, but the key to it was that it's it's follows the uh, American manufacturing model, because manufacturing in terms of like industrialized manufacturing, um, you know, before machines were invented to do jobs for people to produce items, it was just mm -hmm. artisans working on one piece from start to finish. Yeah. Then in Britain during the Industrial Revolution, they they interspersed that with machines wherever possible to be able to lighten the workload and also have unskilled labor come in to do stuff that you don't, for instance, like barrel making. Mm -hmm. A master um, cooper has like 15, 20 years of experience to churn out those barrels. Then they, yeah. then they introduced cooperage machines and it, they made it so that you could bring in a friggin' 18 year old who had never touched a lathe or anything, any sort of woodworking tool, and he yeah. could he could um, put part of a barrel together in, you know, a quarter of the time that a master cooper would. Yeah. So that sort of um, mechanization, mass production, um, then came back to, came to America from Britain, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and the American model streamlined it even further. And instead of having um, assembly and and production or assembly and manufacture on the same line, yeah. the American model basically. You manufacture tons of interchangeable parts, and then in another part of the building, or maybe even a different spot altogether, even maybe a different company, you assemble those parts into the finished product. And so that's what allowed for um, basically the, what they call the American century, the yeah. 1900s. Hmm. Um, that's what allowed for, for America to flourish economically is because of that model. Um, obviously tied up with um, the increased speed in shipping things yeah. um, and increase in communication and logistics. But um, so because of the railroad. Yep. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then from yeah. the railroad to increased actual shipping, like everything. boats yeah. got better. Yeah. Planes car or butt trucks. Yep. Everything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of crazy to think about. But FedEx. <laughs> what was right? Yeah. FedEx ground. But yeah. I, I mean, I got yeah. a question for you here. This is this. So this started in the late 1800s in America, um, this American model of manufacturing. What do you think was the first item to get this treatment? Uh, the manufacturing treatment? Yeah, the, like the new American model of manufacturing. Uh, Ford? Was it Ford? Ford? Uh, Ford the car? Uh, no. Um, model T? That's, I think that's what I thought, too. Yeah. Uh, the yuck. answer in a, a typically American fashion was firearms. Really? They were the first thing to get the treatment. Like they would, they would, so companies would create interchangeable parts and then assemble them at a later point. Right. And then it went off from there. Very bikes popular model now. I mean, that's and, oh yeah. that's what everybody does. Um, so that's how the, that's really the key to the success of um, Coca-Cola in specific or soda pop in specific, but also pretty much just all of the consumer based economy that America is built on now is based around that, that model of like, yeah. Manufacture and assemble and ship out to the world. Um, so now we'll jump back a little bit from that. That's okay. just kind of the, the woodwork around which we're going to work through this uh, <laughs> topic. So the precursor to Coca-Cola was discovered, developed, however you want to describe it, mm -hmm. way back in 1767. Soda water was discovered in 1767. 1767. Doesn't that seem like crazy early to you? Like, yeah. I was really surprised by that. Um, so it's it was developed in 
the best place ever, a brewery of all things, coming full circle back to our. Of course. Yeah. Um, so in Leeds, England, so during the first industrial revolution in, in England, yeah. like right at the height of that. Um, and of all people, it's developed by a clergyman. This dude's a priest. No freaking way. <laughs> His That's name funny. is Joseph Priestley, because of course it was. Of course. Of course he's a clergyman <laughs> named Priestley. Right. Um, he but has, He has a way with God, right? God, and then he just tinkered on the side as a like, yeah, like a hobby scientist kind. He of had thing. one dope side hustle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, he so he side hustle was. he lived next to a brewery and like would tinker around with his laboratory equipment there because yeah. he was buddy buddy with the, the guys who owned it. And yeah. um, so he discovered one day that he held a candle up to this vat of a fermentation vat, um, and it, he could only get the candle within like an inch or two of the top of the actual vat and it would get blown out and he was like what the heck and then but the smoke from the blown out candle would then sit on this like an inch above the top of the liquid weird and then flow (laughs) over the edge and he watched the smoke flow down over the edge and realized that there was something heavier than air that was coming out of that vat and flowing down to the ground and that was carbon dioxide damn so he somehow he somehow devised a way to um, artificially carbonate water. And so he created soda water. Wow. And so that's the basis of all um, soda drinks, right? Yeah. All sweetened soda drinks is right. soda water, which we now, you know, club soda and seltzer we use for. So how still, do you people act, still drink it? But How do you chemically make soda water then? So one way is um, this um, thing called sodium bicarbonate. That's okay. why it's actually oh, yeah, called yeah. soda water. Yeah. Soda. It's just a shortening of sodium bicarbonate. And um, you can either dissolve the carbon dioxide in the water. So basically, you, you for instance, you have beer yeah. that's fermenting. You take, you somehow capture that carbon dioxide from the beer, and then you put it into a vessel with water in it, and you literally shake it so that it, the carbon dioxide goes into solution in the liquid. Oh, and that's shit. how it makes okay. it fizzy. Yeah. That's why when you open uh, a bottle yeah. of anything carbonated, it does the it can potentially do the fizz thing is because it's actually equalizing um, the amount of carbon dioxide. Oh shit. Okay. Um, so that's why it goes flat because carbon dioxide will work Leave. its way out of solution. Yeah. yeah. From the interesting from the drink. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, Isn't it crazy that we drank that? It is a weird thing, and that's why you get burps too, is because the gas is escaping in your stomach. And it makes you burp. So this guy, um, Joseph Priestley, discovers this and then he tries to, he decides, you know what, let's make like a soda water company because people mm-hmm. loved mineral water, right? Mm-hmm. And mineral water is naturally carbonated because of nature. I don't know how it works. <laughs> but, nature. But people were crazy over mineral happen. water because they didn't just, you know, it was different than regular water. So it, it actually, he, he had trouble... Um, selling this this carbonated water though Mm. because um it proved so inefficient and difficult to bottle it so then throughout the years people worked on ways to deliver it to the customer and soda fountains became the easiest way you could just have the whole situation set up um so that all you had to do is dispense the pre-carbonated water out of the out of the tap rather than having to try and bottle it and hope that it didn't go flat right yeah apothecaries of all places became dominant in that aspect they would have these because at that point in time mineral water was and it still is actually used um viewed sort of like as a 
uh, a health benefit type thing. And so soda mm-hmm. water was viewed that way as well, sort of medicinal. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that an apothecary who's, right. who's mixing up all these drugs would also have another way to deliver this new quote unquote medicine, which is just carbonated water. Yeah. They thought it was medicine, but they thought it, they thought wrongly that it would help fight off scurvy. It always comes back to scurvy with just, those, those. That was just the rum. Them so. Brits. Um, but after they put the rum in the soda, then they really found a good uh, chemical no, it was, reaction. It was once they added the lime. Rum, the coconut. rum and the lime <laughs> with a coconut. Yeah. How does one put the rum in the coconut? <laughs> no, the lime in the coconut. Um, so for, uh, it was because of that domination of the carbonated beverage the early soda pop i mean it wasn't yet soda pop soda water right um market that apothecaries aka pharmacies still had soda fountains well into like the 50s and 60s in america i think but have you ever heard yeah. of that yeah like you go down yeah. to the pharmacy and get a soda pop it's because it used well, to be a soda bar they had soda bars it used to be viewed as a medicinal or sunday bar thing yeah i don't know yeah both, both probably um so that's sort of the, the way, way back story of took a hundred years before it went from just soda water, just bubbly water and turned into sweetened cola. The origin myth of Coca-Cola then follows sort of that same uh, origins of soda pop. It was this one guy who discovered something and eventually developed it into the Coca-Cola we know today. Um, so it was a syrup invented by John Pemberton. It was sold as a medicine. It was like a tonic type thing. Yeah. Um, he was working on other, basically now we would call them quack remedies, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, snake oil salesman type vibe. Izzy, sparkling clementine flavored juice beverage. Blend from concentrate with other natural flavors. It's out of California. California, A. Uh, no added sugar, no preservatives. 120 calories per bottle, 12 <laughs> fluid ounces. So that that right there is emblematic of just how wide-ranging soda is now today from its humble roots. Yeah. Um, so it's like the only reason that bottle is possible, because it's all the way from fucking California. 70% is that, juice. Is it really? That's what it says. Oh, nice. That's cool. 70% juice. Um, the only reason that's possible, because it's all the way from California. Give that fizz. Um, is because of mass marketing, mass production, and the bottling process. Um, mineral waters, um, like I said, were really prized as like healing, really healing for people. Mm-hmm. 1767 is when Priestley invents his thing. By 1773, the American Philosophical Society, um, so this is like revolutionary America, same yeah. time as that. They're talking about medicinal properties of mineral waters, and uh, people are catching on to soda water as an alternative to having to go to the source of mineral waters oh, because okay. it's it's they're hard to find natural uh, naturally occurring mineral springs one of one which though which um james madison thomas jefferson and george washington were fans of yeah. was the the one in saratoga you know and up yeah. here in yep. upstate new york um there's also on seneca street we have a building on mineral springs road oh there you go yeah in south buffalo so because bottling was so hard and because mineral springs are relatively rare and you know people don't want to have to travel to them for their yeah everyday <clears throat> health benefit these these fountain soda fountains sprung up all over the country and they started getting like real elaborate yeah. um 
they were adding blocks of ice to chill the soda water and the syrups that were starting to go into the soda water. And by the 1870s, the largest soda fountains, I'm just going to read this word for word from the book. The largest mm-hmm. soda fountains were enormous contraptions. At the Centennial Exposition in Philadelphia in 1876, James Tufts, a soda fountain magnet from Boston, displayed his Arctic soda water apparatus. It was 30 feet high, Jeez. towering over the spectators, and was adorned with marble, silver fittings, and potted plants. It was manned by immaculately dressed waiters and had to be housed in its own specially designed building. So they like went ape shit for this. <laughs> like, isn't that crazy? That's hilarious. Oh my God. Um, but naturally, as things do, they progressed mm-hmm. and people were like, well, yeah, but I don't want to have to build a whole building just to get soda fountain. Mm-hmm. And so eventually somebody figured out how to bottle the shit. And that really expanded the reach. And this is when Coca-Cola comes into the picture in terms of the actual company. So John Pemberton, who I've mentioned just briefly before our, our little break there, he's selling his recipe as a medicine in the 1880s. And uh, he was a pharmacist. He lived in Atlanta, which is where Coca-Cola is still based. They're still based out of Atlanta. That's world headquarters. And so he was he was trying to sell it as a medicine along, you know, he's selling this alongside other quacks. One sure. One example is the quote unquote elixir of life sold by dr kid with two d's oh my god um that's so funny. which this elixir of life claimed to cure every known ailment the lame have thrown away crutches and walked after two or three trials of the remedy rheumatism neuralgia stomach heart liver kidney blood and skin diseases disappear as by magic so oh my god yeah so these snake oil salesmen <laughs> coca-cola yeah. is sprouting up right alongside yeah. these yeah. and it actually doesn't help coke sell its product no so they they decide i think it's all bad yeah so they they actually differentiated themselves by um not being by taking away the like medicinal cures from their ad advertisements yeah and made it um just started saying it's just refreshing and good rather than being a medicine it was like no it's just tasty come buy some wow and that made sales explode so in 18 um kind of shows you how dumb people are Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. They just, like, see something, and they're like, oh, yeah! That! Right? That's good for me now! <laughs> it's about a medicine? Sweet. So, in uh, it, that made their sales explode. By 1890, they were selling, um, or in 1890, I should say, uh, their production was 8,855 gallons a year. Jesus. Within five years, so by 1895, their annual sales exceeded 76,000 gallons. So in Jesus. five years, they almost expanded a thousand percent. Wow! Like that's insane. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Um, and most of that came from not because people were like crazy about Coca Cola because yeah. there were so many other options out there, but yeah. it was because how Coca Cola marketed itself and how it went about its business, the logistics of actually getting Coke to the customer. So we yeah. said it started with those soda fountains. Then they learned how to bottle it, but Coke only ever made the syrup, and they would sell the syrup to right. local pharmacies and, and stuff. Yeah. And they were making a cut of what the pharmacies were selling, but the pharmacies would actually mix yeah. the syrup and create the beverage themselves. And then Coke went, well, interesting. why don't we just do this ourselves? Right. Well, and it's it probably cuts out the, uh, like... Right, yeah, increases shit, consistency. You know? yeah. um, Absolutely. And so they finally started selling finished product and finally got away from the uh, soda pop fountain. And by bottling it allowed Coca-Cola to 
franchise their product out so they yeah. could they could sell the syrup to bottling plants and the bottling plants then would disperse it through their region. Yeah. Um, so it expanded Coke's reach <clears throat> from or into areas that didn't have a pharmacy, that didn't have a soda pop fountain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could now take your your Coke out to the ball game or, or right. whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really remarkable how quickly this expanded Coke's reach. And so by the 30s, along with this new way of franchising their product out, they're expanding their marketing because mm-hmm. to make this, it's so cheap. The really yeah. expensive part is, and they decided to move this way, is to move into how you're advertising and marketing it. Yeah. So they, they basically took all of their revenue and pumped it back into getting sales rather than cheap input on, on the, on the uh, production side for their actual product. And once you set it up, you're just cranking it out. Right. So by the 30s, Coca-Cola is featuring prominently in movies. Um, it's you know becoming associated with glamour and with like escapism. And so mm-hmm. it's even more so like people are starting to associate it with more than, you know, the, the days of like, oh, it's a medicine or long gone. And now it's something that is like a luxury item that people coveted, you know, yeah. to have in their life. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that is like a microcosm of where we're at now in terms of our, like how our economy runs. Yeah. Because it's all based around consumerism and that consumerism is driven with marketing and advertising and so coca-cola was sort of ahead of the curve in that aspect way back you know in the 1890s yeah um and so now today you know you can find coke probably literally everywhere yeah um when i was in india uh 7-eleven yeah i mean there's 7-elevens in thailand for sure when we went it was so funny but in india there were it's so cheap there too yeah that's that's the other thing is they can cents. they can yeah they can scale their costs so or they crazy. can scale their sale prices down because of how much money they make in America selling it for you know dollar ninety nine for a twenty ounce bottle yeah that's like straight profit for them that's so insane yeah that's like what how much does it cost to make that one little I mean I don't nothing I, I think that's something Coke probably doesn't release want. to the public doesn't right. want people yeah. to know but um, in India they had like little roadside um, restaurants mm-hmm. were like sponsored by Coca-Cola. So they only sold Coca-Cola and there's these That's big awesome. Coca-Cola signs. And then it was this tiny little like, welcome to our restaurant sign. Like it was more like an advertisement for Coke than the restaurant's own like self-promotion That's sign. That's so like insane. in the furthest reaches of into in Africa and in Nepal, when I went to Nepal, it was an eight-hour ride through the Himalayas to get out to Pokhara from Kathmandu. Yeah. To put that into perspective, it's a 30-minute flight. But okay. it took us eight hours to get there by car. Yep. Even and you can't fly there, in there. Yeah, you can. Oh, you can. We, okay. we flew out to get back to Kathmandu. Oh, cool. Okay. But um, there's these tiny, tiny little planes there. Yeah. It was super cool. But anyways, um, Ooh, it smells good. even that far into, you know... A world that's so different than popping over to the corner shop here in Buffalo. Right. They still have Coca-Cola everywhere. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Um, well, wherever there's a plane or wherever there's a car, wherever there's a person who will walk there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, insane. And, you know, it's it's funny. Like, we you met, you touched on the, the, uh, the Pepsi feud. The rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. So, Coke is also really good at... Um, 
Well, they have football, right? Pepsi has football. Pepsi halftime show. Do they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And huh. then they have... What else do they have? They have... Uh, I think they have a lot of sports. Coke is not really a lot of sports, I right? I think so. Pepsi used to be before they were like, this isn't good for sports. Mm. And it was Monster. <laughs> I well, mean, that's I'm the other sure, crazy yeah. thing is that now we, you know, oh, back in the day, they were talking, like in the 1890s, <clears throat> people were railing. By 1912, there was um, a, people were concerned about what people were drinking. Because up to this point, there were those mm-hmm. quacks that were like poisoning people with mercury in their snake oil. Right. right? Oh my God, so that's insane. By the, by the early 1900s, they, they um, were like, well, we should maybe regulate this. And so this guy... Um, <laughs> His last name's Wiley. Um, it's it, he he came up with legislation called the Guaranteed or called the Pure Food and Drugs Act that weeded out a lot of the competition for Coca Cola because by this time they had gone like I said gone away from their medicinal claims and mm-hmm. so now they were just yeah. a beverage so they didn't get cracked down on by this law but all their competition did. Oh shit! Okay. Um, but uh, they saw that coming. Come on. They, yeah, for sure. Again, ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, but there, there's literally a trial in 1911. It was a federal case titled "The United States versus 40 Barrels and 20 Kegs of Coca-Cola," um, and uh, just like people today are worried about their kids drinking too much Monster, you know, there's like these yeah. kids dying from yeah these energy drinks over because it's just yeah yeah it, sugar and, it's and caffeine turned up to 11, right? Yeah, people were. The same way afraid about Coca-Cola back then. Yeah. To the point where religious fundamentalists railed against the evils of Coca-Cola, blaming its caffeine content for promoting uh, sexual transgressions. Which I think is insane. It's hilarious. Like, oh no, caffeine has riled up these kids and they're bumping uglies all over. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like what? Right. But you can see how. Oh, that's so funny. But Coke won that case. Because they they were able to claim, rightfully, that there yeah. was no added caffeine, because it was a naturally occurring part right. of okay. the coca plant. Yeah, or sorry, the cola plant, um, <laughs> um, which is something that we should talk about is the ingredients because that's key to the beverage. But anyways, they were rightfully able to mm-hmm. say that they weren't adding, and therefore it was a pure substance, and so they got under the Pure Food and Drink Act. Wow. Okay. Um, that's cool. So, yeah, um, I didn't know what cola was. I just thought, like, why is it called Coca-Cola? Because I knew coca came from yeah. the coca plant, yeah. which was used by um, Incans to, you know, you can chew the leaf and it gives yeah. you this little bit of... It's like um, numbing. It's like, I thought. Well, it's a, it's a um, stimulant. Oh. That's right. where cocaine oh, comes from, right? Right, 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 right. So, yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, I was thinking of something else. Uh yeah, so cocaine definitely, comes from... Definitely makes your mouth numb, that's for sure. But yeah, but cocaine comes from this coca plant, Yeah, but only if it's heavily processed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when people say that there was cocaine in Coca-Cola, they're actually wrong. It was coca, the actual right. extract. There were minute traces of what we would now call cocaine, but that was actually removed very early on, like in the really? late 1800s, um, like 1897, something yeah. like that. That was removed. Interesting. Okay. Because... Um, uh, the cola plant, which is actually it's it's a nut from uh, West Africa, really. That for the same way that the Incans would chew the coca plant for energy while they're you know 
throughout their day. <clears throat> yeah. In West Africa, um, like Senegal and other countries like that, they would chew the, the coconut because it was it naturally had caffeine in it. The coconut? The coca nut. Like, oh, I, yeah. oh, right, yeah. <laughs> which is funny because there is a coconut, which is a different thing. Yeah. Um, that you put rum you and lime in. You put a lime in it. <laughs> put a lime in the coconut. Shaking all about. Um, yeah, so, but coca spelled K O K A. K O K A, yeah. So, part of another little glint of Coca Cola's early and continued success at marketing was that they changed it to the to the CC because it matched the cola already. Yeah. Or that, sorry, cola. I keep messing this up. The cola nut. Backtrack cola on nut. all the, all right. it's not coconut. It's all cola nut. Everything you, I just said you is saved coconut. It, so whatever. It's all cola nut. That's all from, that's from West Africa. Yeah. But so it was K-O-L-A. So they changed it to C to match the coca hmm. for Coca-Cola. And then they came up with that cool Scriggly or um, script for the yeah for the marketing there cursive script that they've like trademarked yeah um, that's insane yeah so to this day there's actually still um, cola nut like active ingredients from the naturally occurring caffeine in the cola nut yeah I'm sure there's added caffeine as well just yeah because I would imagine yeah because yeah. it's pretty high in caffeine. Nothing like Mountain Dew or, or Monster, but um, yeah, this is good. Yeah, I like this. The Izzy, this is tar- is tart. How do you pronounce it? But um, if you track not just Coca Cola, but that industry in general, you know, Pepsi comes in in the twenties and starts really giving them a lot of competition. Okay. Um. But now we have all sorts of tiny little soda pop places that just do sort of regional stuff, like in Buffalo, Loganberry. Yeah. I had never no, heard of true. Loganberry yeah. soda, Loganberry pop until I came here. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. That's, uh... I do not like it, by the way. No, you don't? No. It's way too sweet. Yeah. Holy it's Very cow. sweet. But... And it's like beet juice color. It's so yes. red, so yes. purple. Like, yep. Hey, it's a blew thing. my mind. It's a thing. It is for sure. It's People crazy. love it. Yeah, but like the only way that those exist is because it sort of traces, like, we're in like late stage capitalism now. Yeah, you could say, and so you could track like the humble beginnings of this little Coca Cola. Now they, you know, own. I think they own Frito Lay. Probably, I would imagine. Them. Yeah, you know, they've diversified their options. Um, yeah, and new products, niche products, are able to come in. Yeah. Um, and so the, the soda pop industry is sort of like a micro, a cosm or a case study of just the American economy overall that like right. you yeah. reach you reach a certain level and, and you can diversify into new and different things that are niche products. Do that, whatever you want. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Well, you already have the marketing tool. Right. Exactly. Know? So something like, tools, like yeah. Monster Energy couldn't yeah. have existed in the 50s because they were still afraid of how much caffeine Coca-Cola had in it. Sure. But by the yeah. time we get to where we are now, people are like... Well, sure. also because people are working longer hours, getting paid less, sleeping worse, eating worse. We yep. need, you know, not yep. just caffeine. We need more sleep. B12 vitamins in our know, energy right? drink with twice as much sugar. Like, right. So, yeah, it's really an Seriously. interesting concept to think about, like that um, you could trace or you could use the soda industry as a, <laughs> as a case study for like 
uh, late consumer American capitalism. And it's even it's even like gone meta too. So like, you ever played Fallout Four? Yeah. Or any of the oh Fallout yeah games? yeah yeah. Nuka Cola yeah. is just a play on Coca Cola. Right. And literally after the apocalypse, the only thing left is it's they're Nuka using Cola. bottle caps. Yeah. And it was because it was so widely produced in in the as as uh, coinage, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It goes hand in hand with you know during the American century, what yeah. what in during the 1900s, what was America doing? We were fighting wars all over the world. Yeah, we were. And you know who followed right along? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Yeah. So like World War One, World War II, yeah. um, you know, into... Hey, government money is easy money for, for people that are producing. It's true. But it's sort of the expansion of Coca-Cola throughout the world in terms of its success um, as a private enterprise is also emblematic of how American culture has spread throughout the world as well mm-hmm. for good or bad you know a lot of people would say that it's like a hegemony of culture and it's it's making it so that there's only one it's like getting rid of regional um uh like delicacies so for instance this fizz cola is from rochester right and this is like if this had existed when yeah. coca-cola got big in the 20s fizz probably would have got put out of business right unless they've been in business since then in which case, that's cool, good for you guys. But, um, I wonder when it was. But the only reason it exists now is because people. There's so many people with, um, like pushing back against that homogenous, like the the American ideal. People are pushing back yeah. against like the idea of like globalization, as sort of a catch-all phrase for like the boogeyman of like globalization is bad because it you know tears apart um sort of products and ideas and along with that so coca-cola now along with other companies too a lot of people view negatively as being a big part of uh expanding and globalize um in that in because of their it's a global company reducing the um uniqueness of of a given region just by way of being there yeah so like where once you could go into the countryside in france and they didn't have any coca-cola they just had wine and really good cheese now right. they also have coca-cola so it's like oh well you can get coke in america too and so like it yeah it almost makes places less special yeah because they're the same products yeah. yeah interesting which is why i think like our age group is sort of moving away from like big chain restaurants yeah you know yeah, we true. like we like you and I specifically like being able to go to like a new weird spot that only yeah. exists there. Oh, absolutely. Because it like I don't know. I don't I can't I can't tell you the last time I was at a chain. Like I feel good about, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm, I'm sure know. like I've been to some place, you know, yeah. in the in the past a little bit. I guess the mall is different, but so, I have a fun fact. Um yeah. Fizz Cola this carbonate this carbonated soft drink was invented in Columbus, Georgia oh. by John S. Pemberton. What? In eighteen eighty four. So this is according to Wikipedia. That's the same guy who invented Coca Cola. Yeah. I don't know if Wikipedia the free is right encycl- yeah, no, this unless might not be. unless he sold it to someone else and they brought it up to Rochester, New York. Let me look. Sorry, a little bit of last minute. Uh, okay, here we go. 
I only found a Facebook page. <laughs> Fizz, buy local craft soda. What? <laughs> so we're trying to look up, because we're both really interested by this, because I don't like cola. And it's pretty good. But anyways, um, I'll let you look that up. But another cool thing that is sort of like, like we were talking about how we don't go to chain restaurants, A, because we, we like to be trendy and hip. And we also like we also like good food and good drink, and that's hard to do on a mass-produced scale, right? Yeah, it's hard to, you know, because the only reason McDonald's is so consistent from store to store is because everything is mass-produced on a huge industrial scale. Yeah, and for me, I'd rather go and like have the the locally grown produce with like a wine from the Niagara Escarpment oh, and a beer yeah. from down the street, absolutely, because it just feels cooler to feels me. Feels better. Yeah. Well, but, you, it feels like you're actually like getting into culture a little bit more, right? Rather than so, an interesting thing about um, that sort of ideal is that there are people in this world who are also using um, that sort of idea of like regional, you know, moving back to the local economies and and sort of pushing back against globalization a little bit. For all of this controversy and all, you know, we could go day and night about whether globalization is good or bad. There are good and bad to everything, right? Yeah. But one of the good things that you could see oh. as like a... One Z. Yes. One of the good things I you could see as, a, as a, um, an unintended consequence of um, globalization and, and other things is like people just wanting to and try to make their own thing based, you know, sort yeah. of based, oh, off of, based off of that big chain thing they were doing, they had, but it wasn't quite good enough. So, um, this is a long roundabout way to get to this anecdote that I'm about to tell. Do you know, um, run the jewels? Yeah. Kill a Mike. Yeah. Love him by the way. Yeah. He, um, recently, like I think it was in, within the last two years, helped develop a coat of two different colas for the bloods and the crips. Oh my God. No way. No, seriously. And That's so, funny. <laughs> so that they can help support their local communities. Um, because the Crips is actually a, um, not an anagram. What's the word I'm thinking of? It's a it's C period R period I period stands yes. for community retention and something. You can yeah. look it up if you want. But all right, wait, hold on. First, sorry, I, yeah, you're right. Hold on. But anyways, he developed this cola with the Crips to legitimize their business. Acronym. Acronym. Yes, that's the word. Thank you. Crips is an acronym. According to the Netflix right. special I watched with Killer Mike, but he developed this cola. Crip means the meaning of crip is community restoration in progress. Yeah, restoration gang. Stuff. Yes, <laughs> or so, gang member. But it was always, in their view, a way for them to protect protect their neighborhoods, their locale. Yeah. So they're creating this local cola now and selling it, and they're generating wow. funds to actually improve their neighborhoods. That's insane. Isn't that awesome? Like, and so they did the th same thing with the Bloods. And so now instead of fighting each other, they're both developing these products and like helping their getting education, yeah. helping their neighborhoods. Wow. Helping themselves. It's pretty cool stuff. That's pretty cool. And that's all based on the, that's like late stage capitalism based on the, the work that um, companies like Coca-Cola and PepsiCo did in expanding that like um, desire for people to drink cola. Yeah. Now small groups of people can get together to make a difference 
Yeah, with the same sort of um, Is, isn't Lockhouse Lockhouse is making a cola? I think they are. Yeah, I think yeah. they make their own. I think they're making their own ginger beer or something. Yeah. I mean, Resurgence, we make our own ginger beer. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so five star soda. Let's see. Fizz. <clears throat> okay. Started as kids that were eight years old. K- kids that were eight years old developed? Started this? Fizz, yeah. Really? In Has it always been in Rochester? Looks like it, yeah. Uh, after introducing myself and informing him of my okay, okay, let me let me find it better. <laughs> so that is refreshing. Yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, it's funny though. Is I don't drink pop often. It's like once. In a while, once in a blue moon, I, I rarely do. And, but I think there, there. Are, it's funny how you can see like waxing and waning of trends across generations. So like my parents didn't drink a lot of um, pop because it wasn't as readily available in the you know fifties to them out in the rural countryside of Minnesota. Right. It was there, but they would you know they were poorer, so they'd spend their money on food instead of coke. Right. Yeah. And then, but I know some people who their parents, like my parents now, my dad used to drink a ton of pop, like too much pop. And it was because yeah. it had become like, it was something he didn't get as a kid. Yeah. And so we always had pop on hand when I was growing up, but I never drank it because it was always just kind of there. Yeah. And so now it's always like a treat to me to have a pop. This is very... This site is very frustrating. <laughs> Clean up your websites, people on the internet. This is called Five Star Soda. Craft brewed, craft reviewed. So this is probably why they're not as big as Coca-Cola, because they can't even get a website going. Well, I don't even know if this is their website. Oh, it's somebody This is like a review to... website. Oh. That's horrible. <laughs> get your act together, people. <laughs> they have a ranking system on their main page. Of Just colas. Put... No, of like sodas in general. What one star means, what two stars mean. One star is putrid, poor in, poor in sink, walk into room, go to bed, a day ruin, a day ruiner, <laughs> oh start God. fresh tomorrow. <laughs> the things you can find on the internet. I, I want to read through these because these these are this is how people this this is how this craft soda website is ranking. There's, I love it. Actually, so these are the rabbit holes. Okay, maybe if you do go down. These are the rabbit holes we go down yes. here on, on the heavy pour. But let me just read through one. Yeah. These yeah. are the gold. I like it. A two star is this soda will tr- uh, try to convince you it's worth the effort. <laughs> and it might taste okay for a few sips. But is it not good? That's not a question. But it is not good. <laughs> We're heading in the wrong direction now. Um, three stars. It's good. It's not great, but worth a buy and try it uh, and try buy and try. Uh, it's got flaws, but so do you, man. <laughs> so back <laughs> off. What is this rating system? Usually worth oh worth God. another go around. When thirst beckons, it answers. So palatable. Wow. I la- I actually do really. This I, is funny. This is a great rating system. It's so. If I would have got this one star, I would have been like, okay, cool. There's That'd so much. <laughs> there's so much uh, 
qualification in their rating system. But it's so like, sorry, uh, whoever's website this is, I'm stealing that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well done. Um, four star, near perfect. After drinking down its last sips, you'll miss it. The flavors, the memories, the wonder—so many great qualities. This is a four star. Yeah, you'll Man, crave what's more. The five star. You'll crave more. All right. But it's just missing that special thing that makes it, it unforgettable. Kind of like my ex. Wait, what? Is that what, That's what it, says. it says? That's what it says. <laughs> All right, so five star. What? Five star is jackpot. A delicacy. Unicorn rare. Let the pleasure of this liquid luxury fill you. Oh, I love a, the alliteration. A soda so good, you probably <laughs> shouldn't even tell others it exists. Hide it. Oh, my. Drink it all yourself. I'm only telling you about it because it's my duty. <laughs> Buy it in bulk. So. Okay, well done. Well done. Funny. Well done, five stars. I, li- I, I like that. I like, okay. Cool. Our, we went from hating on this website to now we're fans. We've got a lot of ads, so. Yeah. Eh, not a fan of ads, but you you got to make your money. I get it. Yeah. Binge away, Benji Bingers. Yes, indeed. Binge away. So thanks so much for listening if you've been out there. Uh, I've been Dustin. I have been Skyler. Don't forget to drop a line. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, reach let, out. Let Hopefully. us know if this is actually like good stuff that you want to know or if it's uh, not you know if you already know it that's cool too uh thanks for coming along with the ride and uh we'll see you in the next series see you on the second heavy four or the second four Thank you all so much for listening. The Heavy Pour is researched and written by Dustin Barton, recorded and produced by Skylar Carroll, and edited by us both. Check us out at The Heavy Pour Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or at our website, theheavypourpodcast.com. There, you can also find any citations or corrections we have made. Our intro and theme music were written by Skylar, with photos by ourselves, as well as Kaylee Kirkpatrick. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.